With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the best of the Ben Maller Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weeknight from 2 to 6 Eastern, 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And to find your local station for the Ben Maller Show at foxsportsradio.com. You can find it there or stream us live every night on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of the Ben Maller Show on Fox Sports Radio. Now, if it was up to me, I would just do four hours of Clipper propaganda, the greatest team in the NBA. I think they might go 82-0. I don't think they'll ever lose. How are they gonna, How's anyone going to beat them? My God, are they good. And uh, boy, do the Warriors blow. Uh, but I'm not going to start with that because football is king. Football is almighty and all-powerful. So I can't avoid that. I cannot do it. And did you watch? Joe Buck was there. There was Troy Aikman, and they witnessed a eh, 
snooze cruise of a Thursday night game. Now, it was not a blowout. It was not the blowout that had been billed on the marquee. Because if you've paid any attention, you know that there had been a lot of chatter. I, I like the Vikings in this game. I thought the Vikings were going to blow the doors off the Washington Redskins, but uh, they did not. Uh, they did not. They got the win, and it was not a thing of beauty at all. Dalvin Cook, 171 yards, and he had the only touchdown. The game had one touchdown. One. That's it. Uh, other than that, it was a kicking, like a soccer's type thing, European soccer game. But then uh, field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal. 19-9 to was the final for the Vikings, who improved to 6-2, and two, and the Redskins dropped to 1-7, and seven, and they still got some work to do because the you know, Miami Dolphins at 0-6. The Redskins have that dream of the number one pick in the draft so they can draft the injured Tua Tungavailoa with the, the quarterback of the future, even though they just drafted a quarterback in Dwayne Haskins. Anyway, let's discuss the big takeaways from this Vikings win. The Vikings on a roll now. After looking pretty mediocre a few weeks ago, the Vikings continue to win. Now, now my thoughts on this, you've got tough love, swimming, and alumni. And we will put all these things into a stew is what we're going to do. Now, A, I'm going to be very honest with you. I'm not impressed with the Minnesota Vikings. I was expecting more. And I didn't like what I saw. This was a rather disheveled performance by Minnesota. Get one touchdown against the Washington Redskins defense. That's not good. And the Vikings in the first half, it seemed like they were just, I don't know if they were sleepwalking zombies or what, but they were sluggish. That's the right word to use. Minnesota's highly decorated defense, and I think and we can all agree on that, that that's the bread and butter, the meat and potatoes of the Vikings is the defensive side. And I felt they didn't really do much of anything in the first half. The Redskins had 11 first downs. The Vikings had nine at halftime. Redskins were more efficient at collecting first downs, moving the chains, than the Vikings. Now, they didn't correlate that into touchdowns. They only had six points in the first half. They only had nine points in the game. But keep in mind, last week, I know weather was obviously a factor. The Against the 49ers, the Redskins had 10 first downs the entire game. It didn't matter in the end, obviously, because Washington is so god-awful. Case Keenum also got hurt. You wonder, had Case Keenum not gotten hurt at halftime, do, do the Redskins win the game? You can make a legitimate argument that the Redskins would have won that game had Keenum not got hurt, but that's the ifs and buts, candy or nuts, uh, candy and nuts argument there. And uh, we saw Dwayne Haskins, who played like an absolute stumble bum at quarterback. Uh, it was terrible. Uh, Dwayne Haskins from the Ohio State University. Never heard of him. Now, I would have played him at the beginning of the year, but it does seem that Jay Gruden was right about this guy, that he's not quite ready for prime time, uh, shall we say. Uh, That was not uh, not good. Minnesota did hold the B-squad in the second half to three first downs and 69 yards of offense after halftime. So clearly, they were inspired by what? Not some kind of win-one-for-the-Gipper speech by Mike Zimmer. No. The Vikings were inspired by tough love for me on social media. I was upset. I put them on blast. You know, I ripped them. Took a shot. They saw that. Clearly, they're all like the Arizona Cardinals. They have social media breaks, and they saw that at halftime. They had some lemon slices or orange slices. Uh, now, part B, uh, it was a win but a sloppy win. 
for the Vikings. So I would put this in the stub sub uh, standard category. I have high expectations for the Vikings. Uh, I do. I, I expect this team to be a, a legitimate team lurking around the NFC in the playoffs. And they were swimming, but they were swimming. It felt for a, a good chunk, good chunk of time, too long. They were swimming against the current, uh, way too much. For example. I'll give you some examples. Stephon Diggs had an early catch and run fumble, bug on the rug uh, for Stephon Diggs there that set the tone. And this is where the nuance comes in because he says the glass half full or half empty. Minnesota never punted. The first time a Viking team had not punted in a game in 15 years, right? You know, all the way back to, to week six of the 2004 season. And so a lot of people say, well, that's all that matters and all, you know, the dummies. Uh, it didn't feel that way. You know, 19 points, one offensive touchdown despite 434 yards. That sucks. It's not good. Uh, Washington had been allowing 25 points per game, but they're actually worse than that because those numbers are skewed. Played the Dolphins. Also, they had the monsoon game last week against the 49ers, which was a 9 nothing game because both teams just decided to play 1930s-style football and run, 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 run. Kurt Cousins, while he had a very efficient day, only had three incompletions, 285 yards, no interceptions, he had a passer rating of 112. For the low-information fan, they're like, that was a success, but it, again, did not translate into touchdowns. You don't even get to 20 points. And... Cousins had one of the worst quarterback sneaks I've ever seen. It was a fourth down and one play. And Cousins looked like he did not want to engage the Redskins defense. That was my impression. And also the Vikings had a lot of self-inflicted mistakes, even though they won the game. They were called for seven penalties. How many, how many times can you get called for offensive holding? 74 yards. Uh, of penalties. They allowed that dinosaur Adrian Peterson to run efficiently for over five yards per carry, 76 yards. He did have one big run that skewed those numbers a little bit. But the, the last word here, so, so the Vikings were 16.5 point favorites. They played with no sense of urgency late. Bad job by Mike Zimmer. And I would like to address this. And we can not talk about it and deny it and say it's not there, but you to me, you cannot legitimately talk about these games without the gambling element. And I realize I have some skin in the game regarding that. But to me, that's the difference between college and the NFL. In college football, most of the great coaches know exactly what the point spread is. And they know in order to keep the natives not going restless, they better cover the spread. Because the alumni at The Ohio State and Michigan and USC and Notre Dame bet gazillions of dollars on these college football games. And so the coaches know that it's not only you have to win the game, but you got to win the money. Yeah, you got to touch the money. And Mike Zimmer, clearly, there was, again, no sense of urgency. You got to keep, he didn't want to keep the alumni happy, the fan base happy. Minnesota could have easily scored another touchdown late to cover the number at 16 and a half. They would have won by 17. They had a final drive. There was no, like, we've got to get in. And part of that was the Redskins didn't have any timeouts. And, and so they were able to run out the clock. But the, the, the Vikings were like twiddling their thumbs there. Uh, content to just la 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 la. They were doing that la 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 la. That's how I, like the the sound I believe they had was that. I believe that was uh, was the sound. 
and as as gambling becomes bigger and bigger, though, I predict NFL coaches eventually are going to have to wise up. Now, Zimmer is a lost cause. He's old school, Mike Zimmer. But the new breed, the young blood of NFL coaches, if you will, is going to have to realize that if you want to keep employment, if that is the goal to keep employment, that part of that is not just to win games, but you got to worry about the point spread. And you can say I'm crazy and I'm nuts and all that, but I'm telling you, I am a distant relative of the great Nostradamus, and this is the future. It's not there right now, but as more and more states add legal sports gambling, I mean, guys have had neighborhood bookies for years anyway. It's not like this hasn't been a thing, but now it's now that the government can tax it and take our money um, legitimately on the up and up, you know, supposedly as far as illegitimately, which they do anyway. Uh, but that's a different conversation. So, but I, I'm telling you, new coaches coming along, the next generation of coaches, it's going to be crucial to keep your degenerate fans happy. Uh, that is legit. All right, it is the Ben Maller Show on Fox, and the Washington Redskins are a hopeless, helpless, pathetic, bad news bears of an operation. But Bill Callahan's good for a funny soundbite every once in a while. One of the great coaching rants of all time when he was with the Raiders, we've got to be the dumbest team in America. That was Bill Callahan when he coached in, in Oakland with the Raiders back in the day. But anyway, here's Callahan, who's coaching the Redskins now, at least for the next couple of weeks, until he gets whacked at the end of the year so Dan Snyder can bring somebody else in. But here is Callahan pointing out, he was all about the quarterback here. And will Keenum start now going forward? Or A lot of the Redskins are like, hey, play Haskins. Even though he blows, play him and get that out of the way. Let's uh, hear what the coach had to say. We'll see. You we'll know, see. We've got a little time here. We're uh... – we're, in, we're again. We're it's a Thursday night game, so we have time, you know, to yeah, see where Case is at this point. So, um, I do believe Case is our quarterback, and it's all based on how he comes out of the protocol. But yeah, if we were playing next week, uh, and he was fine, Case would be the starting quarterback, no question. That's my quarterback. Uh, the Redskins, if you're curious, not that anyone's that curious about the Redskins, uh, they play the Buffalo Bills next week, and that is in Orchard Park, New York. Uh, 3rd of November, that is the matchup. Uh, so that is the, the game there. Uh, Dwayne Haskins. Uh, mentioned how, how terrible Haskins looked. Woo-wee. Man, was he I mean, Give me something. Give me something if you, you know, show me something. He didn't show anything to me. I, my trained eye that I have. Veteran scout. Anyway, here is Haskins uh, pointing out that you've got to keep your nose down and keep moving. Football is football. And, uh... Really? I didn't know. I that. love everything about it, as far as playing quarterback, the position that it requires, and what you need to do in order to be successful at it. And um, I gotta keep working and keep getting better. And uh, this is a long journey for me. Hey, uh, spoiler alert: You're not getting better. I hate to tell you, but you're not. You're not getting better. I don't want to bury the lead. There were a couple of good NBA stories, not anything involving Atlanta and Detroit. That game was a route or route. Uh, how about Derrick Rose though scoring twenty seven points? That was I didn't even know he was on the Pistons. I didn't even realize he was on the Pistons. Trey Young looked great though. Remember how bad Trey Young shot the ball his the first part of his rookie year, and we were like, "Oh, he's a bust." They were killing Atlanta. Like, why'd you make that trade with the Mavericks? This guy blows, and he's come around in a large way, man. He's legit, Trey Young for uh, Atlanta. And uh, I watched a lot of the Bucks. Uh, Rockets because the Viking game was boring to me, so I kept flipping over to watch the Bucks and the Rockets. A big comeback in the second half. We'll talk more about that game later. Also, 
If you want to call up and praise the Clippers, I'm not going to stop you. I mean, I know that's the thing. Uh, and I will advise you, again, to get on the bandwagon early. Uh, the seats are filling up on the Clipper bandwagon. And I remember when, I'm old enough to remember when the Golden State Warriors would have won this game by 20 themselves instead of losing. What a buzzkill. They opened up a new arena, this Taj Mahal of basketball, with all the bells and whistles and all the, the things for the one percenters that run the internet companies in the Bay Area. And they just got punched in the chin. And down, 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 down. Oh, and, and before you call them and say, where were you, a-hole? Thanks for all the messages. You know, there's nothing like uh, taking a, a, a day and, and coming back and seeing what an a-hole you are for taking the day. I, I really do. It, it warms my heart. You really know how to make me feel loved, and I thank you so much. But I was on assignment for Fox Sports Radio, uh, and this is the only job you really are on assignment to play golf. Uh, but I had to play golf, and that's a daytime sport. Not a, I wish we could play golf at night, but they haven't figured out a way to really effectively play golf at night. So I was on assignment there, and it was a disaster for me on the golf course. Uh, I, I'm going to get into that on the podcast, which will be up on Friday, the fifth hour. I'll explain everything that happened. Uh, I was the talk of the event for all the wrong reasons. Uh, it was very embarrassing. And, uh, but I, at least I look like I should. I, I, my main concern was the, the optics of it. I look like I belonged. I didn't play like I belonged. So we'll leave it at that. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. 
and Stan Weiju over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. So another night early in the NBA season, the marquee matchup, there were two of them, the Rockettes, who took it on the chin against the Milwaukee Bucks after having a big lead early. But the game I want to focus in on right now, the Los Angeles Clippers playing the Golden State Warriors, the winners of the Western Conference last year, losing to Toronto in the NBA Finals. And very rarely in the past have you seen a Clipper-Warrior game where clearly the better team was the team from Los Angeles. But that's exactly the case on this night. The Clippers led by as many as 31 points. They opened up that new arena in San Francisco, the, uh, the the Chase Center, which is apparently the Taj Mahal of the NBA, it's not for the common fans, for the rich fan. They don't want the common fan there. They want the executives at Facebook and Twitter and Google and YouTube and all those people. Uh, so they've they've gotten rid of the the regular types. Uh, they're gone. Uh, that were at the games in Oakland. At least most of them are gone, if not all of them are gone, because they can't afford it. So anyway, listen, the, the, the Clippers dominated this game. There's only so many ways you can say it. Kawhi Leonard only played 21 minutes at a point a minute. He had 21 points. While he was on the court, the Clippers outscored the Warriors by 27 points while he was out there in 21 minutes. And sweet Lou, uh, Lou Williams also with 22 points. The, the Clippers had... Uh, everyone other than Patrick Beverly in double figures in their starting lineup. They had three guys on the bench in starting in in, uh, in double digits. They had seven players get to ten or more points in this particular game, and so the Clippers are off to the two and zero start. The Warriors begin their season with the old loss. They're zero and one, and it was not even close, as we said. They're one forty one to one twenty two. The Clippers dominating points in the paint, as most teams do against the Golden State Warriors. But the question, let's discuss here. The question, what's the the big, if you will, 
lesson from this particular game. This is a teachable moment. All right. Now, I've got convoys, disease-free, and overreaction. And uh, we will get to all of these. And, uh, boy, is that going to be fun. Man, you're going to love that. Uh, so, so anyway, uh, the, the first thing here, uh, another night, we talked about this the other day with the, the game against the Lakers. Well, you, you feel pretty good, right? Never trailed, led by 31 for the Clippers side of things. And the bully no more for Golden State, right? Golden State has run rough shot over the Western Conference for the better part of, what, five years? It's, it seems like forever. And this was an opportunity for the Clippers early in the year without Paul George to flex their muscles. And it, it's one of those things that's unusual. Uh, it was stunning. And the thing about the Clippers that people are overlooking, some are overlooking, is that unlike some of these other teams, like the, the Warriors were a top-heavy team, the Rockets are a top-heavy team, uh, the Clippers come at you in waves. they got convoys of players. It's unreal. They played two games, and in this game, the bench scored 68 points because there was so much garbage time. But in both the games to start the year, the Clippers have scored 60-plus points off the bench. And, and what what happened to Patrick Peterson? This guy was supposed to be a bum. He's actually pretty good so far. It's only been a couple of games, but he was billed as a uh, you know, not that great, but but it is the convoys, and they they were mentioning this on the TNT broadcast that Doc Rivers, when he won in Boston, uh, he he loved, even though they had the headliners on the Celtics that era of the Celtics with Garnett and Paul Pierce and those guys. Doc loved the bench, and he loved playing that second unit a lot. And you know, Doc hasn't had a team that good since he left the Celtics, and now he's got an opportunity. He has some good teams, but not great teams. This is a great team. Uh, this has the makings of a, a great team for the Clippers. Now, secondly, if you compare and contrast Golden State at this moment and the Clippers, these are ships passing in the night. Uh, it, it is odd to see, right? This is odd. To, I mean, the, the Clippers right now are looking like a fine oil machine and uh, and all that. I don't believe in chemistry, but there is synergy going on. And the the other thing about this. And I think you'll, you'll you'll likely agree with me, is that the thing about the Clippers is obviously they're good, but it's fresh, it's new, it's fun. It, it, well, for me, maybe not for you, um, but for me it is, and it's disease free. And I, I, I what I mean by that is that eventually, if this is a Clipper team that's going to be in the NBA Finals and contend for a championship this year, and maybe win a championship. Uh, it, it, it's never as good as the first time, right? They, I, I think that's true to some degree. It's never as good as, as the first time. Eventually, that uh, disease of me, as Pat Riley called it back, and they wrote a book about it, the, the curse uh, of winning a championship, being part of a great team, the disease of me. And uh, and the danger signs are not anything you have to worry about now. For the, I haven't won anything the Clippers collectively as, as a unit, but... It, it happened. It happened to Golden State Warriors. The disease of me, where players felt underappreciated. Uh, Kevin Durant felt underappreciated and felt like Curry was getting all the attention and all that, and so that caused problems. And, and then you have the paranoia about players getting denied the right credit because everyone wants to get credited with the success and. Uh, you had, you know, eventually you end up getting uh, factions in the locker room, and that starts happening, and uh, people get frustrated 
even though the teams are winning. I mean, these things happen to good teams, and, and uh, the the other parts of that disease of me here uh, that you know some some players just they don't care about winning anyway. They just want they want to play better than the other guy. On the you know, they want to outplay the other guys on the team, outperform the other pl- players on the team. And uh, and then there's the resentment that settles in. Like none of that's a, a factor. It's only been a couple of games, obviously, for the Clippers. But but none of that will be a factor unless they win uh, and they bring the team back, the the core of the team. Now the last thing on this game, we're going to talk about the Rockets and the Bucks in a second. But the the Clippers, you know, you know how how big can, a statement can you make in the regular season? And it's only you know, early in the year and all that. And for most of us, the NBA doesn't really get going until Christmas. But uh, you know, as much as you can make a statement early, they did and. And it's like everyone was dressed up to go to the party. The Warriors were having a party, and the Clippers put a turd in the punch bowl is what they did. I mean, that's essentially what happened here. And they're letting their play do the talking. Now, we often in football, we talk about overreaction Monday. You know, it's a big thing, overreaction Monday. We, we freak out about things we see in the NFL. And people are overreacting. I, Golden State looked terrible. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and tell you they didn't look terrible, but the Clippers are just better than they are. But that doesn't mean that the Golden State Warriors aren't going to be able to win their share of games. I I know Charles Barkley at halftime declared that the Warriors aren't going to make the playoffs because of their first half, and uh, I know Charles, much like myself, likes those bright, shiny objects and is uh, you know easily you know, distracted. Uh, but I don't feel that way. I I, I feel like the, the Warriors, that Steph Curry, and they've got enough there – not great, but they've got enough where they'll they'll be lurking is what they're going to be. They'll be lurking around. No, I'm not a big D'Angelo Russell fan and all that. They've got to hope uh, that for Golden State that Kevon Looney's going to take. He didn't play very well. He didn't play very much in the in the game. and some fouls and whatnot. But him and Glenn Robinson, the younger version, are going to have to play pretty well. They think they're going to play well, but they have to actually do it. Uh, for the Warriors. It is the Ben Maller Show on Fox. Now, meanwhile, we had a surge by the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks are back, baby. They are Milwaukee. Fear the deer. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, fear the deer. Uh, yeah, you absolutely should. And uh, in, in that particular night, maiden voyage of James Harden and Russell Westbrook together again in Houston and been together in Oklahoma City as young players. How did that turn out? woo P.U. What stinks? Well, that's a tough week for Houston sports, man. That means the Raiders are going to have to win this weekend against the Texans to put the cherry on top of the Sunday there for the Houston sports fan. But the Milwaukee Bucks, who trailed by a, a good margin, they were down by 16 points at one stretch, they, they trailed most of the beginning part of the game, and they ended up dominating the second half. I don't know if you watched this game or not, but it it looked like the Rockets were going to be fine early in the game. But in the end, Giannis Adentacumbo and his friends on the Milwaukee Bucks storming back to get the win. The better story is in the losing locker room. We had some drama. It didn't take more than one game to have drama between James Harden and Russell Westbrook so what happened between these two wackadoodles? What took place between these two guys? Well, a very animated, passionate conversation between Harden and Russell Westbrook, who appeared to be already at a wit's end with each other. It's been one game. 
It was the beginning of the rocket season, and it looked like they were exchanging words, and they weren't, hey, I love you, bro. It wasn't that. It was more like, hey, I'd like to punch you, bro. Uh, It was that kind of thing. It's more like, wait a minute, I, I took every shot I wanted in Oklahoma City, and now I'm playing with you, and then Harden's like, wait a minute, I took every shot I wanted last year, and now you are trying to play with my toys, right? I love the fact that it only took one game for these guys to start shouting at each other. This is wonderful. This is great on every level. All right. Uh, a- anyway, let, let, let's get into it. So how, how surprising is it that it took one game for Westbrook and Harden to start yelling at each other? Uh, well, it's not that surprising. You figure the first moment where things f- go sideways, they, w- they would be at each other's necks. And you didn't think it would happen right away in the first game, but uh, ta-da! Uh, there you go. So we've got the barn cooking soup and the drama-rama. It's the drama-o-rama. And we'll tie all this into a pretzel. Now, to start, as far as the game itself, like most NBA games, this is the tale of two halves, right? The first half, the Rockets were clicking. James Harden never actually found himself. He was brutal and in the entire game. That's part of the reason he was so upset. But Houston built up a 16-point lead, as we said, with the ensemble cast. It wasn't the headliners that were, were getting it done for the most part here. And, and they played okay defensively. They were able to contain Milwaukee, and then all that vanished, those, those dreaded halftime adjustments by the Milwaukee Bucks. Nothing's changed in my lifetime more than halftime adjustments. My, this old radio guy used to tell me uh, back in the day. But, but this was a beam-me-up Scotty situation, right? This is a I-want-to-get-away-for-the-Rockettes as Milwaukee was so much better. They outscored Houston by 22 points. In the second half, shot 50% from the floor. The Greek freak only missed two shots after halftime. He had 20 points and eight rebounds and five assists in the second half alone. But more impressive, and I'm not sure whether this is actually great defense by Milwaukee or just incompetence by Houston offensively. They could not hit the broadside of a barn in the second half. They shot 26.7% from the floor after halftime. It's kind of like we talk about football, and in football, if you just spike the ball into the ground, you'll have a passer rating of 39.6, I believe is the passer rating. But in basketball, you should never shoot below 30%. You should never. I mean, that's inexcusable, especially a team with two MVPs and all that. My God. Now, additionally, in terms of Russell Westbrook and James Harden, Now, Harden had 19 points. He had 14 assists, which sounds pretty good, until you realize that he shot 15% from the floor, and he had seven turnovers in the game. So uh, pretty much that's a zero-sum game is what that is for James Harden. And Russell Westbrook, who was actually – I'll give him some credit. He was a little bit better in the second half, but his stat line doesn't look terrible. He had 24 points and 16 rebounds and all that. But when you look at how he had been able to take over games in Oklahoma City and assert his will and all that, uh, not not quite the same situation as you. He had seven assists uh, in this game. He needs to get the Rockets to play more like Oklahoma City where they just kowtow to his every need. Uh, That's what they need. Well, Harden had the same thing. But the, the overall Maller report card on game one here for Westbrook and Harden Garbage. I put a G down. I put it. I didn't put an A, B, C, or D or F. I put G. Garbage. Yeah, I put I put G down for garbage. And, and 
it is disheartening. You know, it's like, you know, first game of the year and all that stuff. But we're talking about a weird science experiment. And this has a chance of going really foul, really disgusting. Uh, too many cooks in the kitchen. James Harden and Russell Westbrook are both alphas. And you think of this in terms of cooking soup. When you cook soup, you need to have the perfect mix, the blend of all the different spices in the soup and all that, as cooking with Roberto has taught me over the years, my chef, Roberto. And if you, if you don't have the perfect ingredients, if you have too many alphas and not enough omegas, that is a toxic brew. It is problematic, and uh, it's way too early to say that, but I think logically it's very straightforward here. That's certainly what it looks like is going to happen uh, for Houston, and now the Rockets will have to figure some of this out, and they, they will. Listen, much like I, I, Golden State, you know, the overreactions of the early season in the NBA, the Rockets are going to overpower most teams. Milwaukee's one of the top teams in the NBA and figured to be there all year winning a bunch of games. But somewhere along the line, Westbrook or Harden is going to have to take a back seat and become the Omega. And I, these guys are strong-willed people. Good luck on that. Good luck on that. Now, the, the final thing here. So the Bucks are like the Clippers of the East. Every team will be judged by how they do against Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference. And I don't know if this is a... a West versus East, but for for teams playing the Bucks, it's an acid test game. It's a measuring stick type of game. The Bucks are solid from top to bottom and all that. It wasn't even Giannis that made a couple of those big shots down the stretch uh, for Milwaukee. Uh, I mean, some of these other guys were, were knocking down shots late in the game. But Houston is all about the drama-orama. Uh, that is what it's all about. We mentioned the the con- confrontation there, the friction, on-court discussion between Russell Westbrook and James Harden. And now some people are saying that is evidence of early friction. Other people that are toadies of these guys are like, no, people are, people are making a mountain out of a molehill. It's not that big a thing. Well, you can find the video online. You can judge for yourself. But as a historian of body language, as I am, because that's all I have, the language of body language, uh, James Harden, he, he, has, his hand, he has both hands like trying to explain something that he felt was very important to Russell Westbrook. Westbrook then walks over. Harden's giving an impassioned plea. And then Westbrook, he starts pointing and disgusting. And then Harden has this disgusting look on his face and tries to make the statement again. It's wonderful. All right, let's hear from these two idiots. Uh, here is Russell Westbrook, <laughs> who is, is saying, uh, we'll, we'll work it out. Don't worry. Everything will be all right. We're able to score at a high rate, um, defend. Um, I think we, we kind of, I know, nice days are going to start the fourth. Um, but it's okay. It's good, man. It's, it's a great um, game to be able to figure out what we need to do moving forward, start the year. Um, it's a good team, so we're in the right direction. It's great, great game to blow a lead at home against a good team. <laughs> Something to build on. I agree. I I, I absolutely agree. Uh, here's more. Here's James Harden, who uh, again the, the the talking points memo. Now I don't think Harden endorsed China this time, but here's James Harden uh, talking about what the Rockets are trying to accomplish. I mean, it's game one. You know, um, you know, we're not going to get too too down. Even if we won, we're not going to get too excited. You know, we got a long journey ahead of us. So. Uh, the goal is to just continue to get better every single day. And, um, you, know, um, you know, it sucks we didn't win game one, but we got 81, 81 more. 
Yeah, 81 more. We love China. Uh, we love everything, you know, they're about. Yeah, I saw some pro Hong Kong shirts in the crowd there in Houston. I saw some of that. It's a, it is a days of our lives soap opera. The young and the restless with the Houston Rockets. And if you like that kind of thing, boy, it's good. It is absolutely good. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray, rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So... 
Listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. It's Maller. How about that? To the third degree. This is when Big Ben gets grilled. Coop Deloop. Ben, the Broncos drafted Drew Locke as their supposed quarterback of the future last season, but just this week, Elway said that Locke isn't ready yet to be a starter, and the team figures to have a pretty high draft pick uh, next season. So, do they take another quarterback, even though they, uh, even if they don't see more than a few games from Locke this year? Well, this is a bad omen, obviously, for Drew Locke. The, the Broncos, as you know, Koopaloop, are a sideways franchise right now. But it certainly appears – here's the thing on Elway. It seems like he's from the old school, and even though he played quarterback and was one of the top quarterbacks of his era, he is fundamentally opposed to playing young quarterbacks. He doesn't trust them. He doesn't believe in them. He doesn't want to go through the speed bumps you have to go through to play these guys. He would rather play a handy-down quarterback like Joe Flacco. And if it wasn't Flacco, they'd go out and get somebody else rather than play Drew Locke. And B, even if Locke eventually does play, and you have to think the law of averages says at some point Flacco's going to get hurt, and, and and then this guy Locke will get an opportunity to play, I would still expect the Broncos, even if he plays well, I would expect the Broncos to feel that pressure, the wrath of the draft and all these quarterbacks that are supposedly in the 2020 draft. It is the most important position, blah, 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 and Denver in their division has the worst quarterback situation of any AFC West team at this moment. So they've got to address it. And Locke, again, will not have enough opportunity on a subpar Bronco team to prove he's the man. All right, next. Now, earlier this week, that you you said that you expect Mohamed Sanu to work out well with the Patriots. Ringing endorsement. Yeah. Yes. Uh, do you think that Emmanuel Sanders will have a similar, if not bigger, impact with the 49ers? All right, so... As far as Emmanuel Sanders, I know there were some Niner fans. What about Emmanuel Sanders? What about Emmanuel Sanders? I'm not as optimistic about Emmanuel Sanders. Now, I think this is a B-plus move. Sanu's like an A-minus move for the Patriots. Sanders is like a B-plus. The only thing that really gives you pause is the age and also the mindset. Sanders is saying all the right things, but he also is entering the final chapter of his career. He, In addition to saying all the right things, he also revealed that he's only got like two years left in the NFL and he's going to quit playing football. That's it. And uh, if I'm the Niners, I'm worried. We just traded for you and you're already talking about retirement. That seems problematic uh, when players start thinking of retirement. They have one foot in the retirement box. And, and two, Sanders is 32 years old and like all football players, he's been Humpty Dumpty in terms of injuries. And so despite all that, I, I will concede he's an upgrade from what the Niners had. But the, the thing I learned this week, the other day, was that the, the people that work for the Niners, from what I am told here, they're not sold on Jimmy Garoppolo all the way. I heard that from a reliable source that works in the NFL, that that even the Niners winning all these games here, they have not officially, officially decided to continue on with Garoppolo. They have an opt-out in his contract. How crazy would that be if the Niners go like 11-5 and five or something like that or 12-4 and four and Garoppolo, they dump him out of his contract? That's a possibility. All right. We'll take him in Denver. There you go. All right, next. All right, when talking with the media earlier this week, Giannis Antetokounmpo. The Greek freak. Yep, he hinted that he may test free agency if the Bucks underperform. Now, yeah. it doesn't seem like that's going to happen, but, Ben, this is the first time that Giannis has even suggested leaving Milwaukee. Lakers. 
<laughs> oh, here we go. Uh, let's play yeah. the what if game. Just don't start that again. How's Kevin Love looking at a Lakers? How's Russell Westbrook in a Lakers? Yeah, I'll go. Yes. If he were to leave, yeah. who do you give the best shot at landing him? All right. So now I, I did see, I don't know if you saw this, Coop, that Adenta Kumbo tried to take that back, tried to unring it, said he was misquoted. Of course so, he did. Yeah. Um, but. I believe this is inevitable, right? This was as predictable as, as picking, you know, someone's eventually going to die and we're all going to pay taxes. For years, Giannis Adentacumbo has said he didn't want to leave Milwaukee. He was all about loyalty or, you know, I'm paraphrasing a lot of this, but he didn't, wanna, he didn't mind playing for a small market team. He was even quoted a couple years ago as saying he didn't care for the hustle and bustle of Los Angeles or New York City and didn't understand how people could live in these big metropolises and all that. But eventually, the peer pressure gets to you, right? So as far as to answer your question directly, Koopa Loop, I, I would keep an eye on the Golden State Warriors, the Miami Heat, the usual suspects, the Chicago Bulls, the New York Knicks, the Lakers I know will be part of that because they're part of all of this. And by that time, LeBron James will be completely washed up. So they're going to try to move on from LeBron. So uh, I would keep an eye on those teams. But he's he's got a lot of people around him, Giannis, now because he won the MVP, a lot of marketing and endorsement possibilities. These people riding his coattails who need to keep that money coming in to his 401k, Adentacumbo. All right, there it is. Mallard of the third degree. How did we do? Then you pass this edition. That is a winner. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Knock, knock. Who's there? Lame week. Lame week who? It's Big Ben's Lame Joke of the Week. All right, let's do this. Big Ben's Lame Jokes of the Week. These are listener-submitted jokes. we got a ton of them. We'll get to as many of them as we can. We've got a mini radio roast to the NBA. We've got a Sam Darnold mini roast. A bunch of Ralph jokes, Brian Finley mini radio roast. There's a ton of stuff. Lot a good week for the joke writers, the unpaid, underappreciated joke writers of the show that have sent these in. Thank you guys, you are wonderful uh, and ladies, uh, appreciate it. All right, uh, who is the perfect quarterback for Oktoberfest? Who is the perfect quarterback for Oktoberfest? Carson Wench. So Gordon in Tacoma sent that one in. Did you hear that sports astrologer? Andrea, Virgo in service, was hired by the Chargers to help the team navigate its future. Did wow, you, hired yeah. by the Chargers. Yeah, she she sprained her wrist turning over a tarot card and is now on injured reserve. So That's a tarot card. Well, whatever. Uh, Tom from, who cares? Uh, Tom from Fullerton. <laughs> Why did Angry Bill's girlfriend leave him? Why did she leave him? Well, someone threw a tennis ball the other direction, so that was, that was it, and then... Oh, Took man. off there. That's uh, Bill from Iowa sent that one in. Oh. As a poor kid growing up, why was Weed Man Hippie made to walk the plank? Made to walk the plank? Why? Because they couldn't afford a dog. So uh, from Ian in Japan, listening on the, on the American Forces Network and listens to the podcast as well. Thank you for that. Why did Weed Man go trick-or-treating? Why did he go trick-or-treating? Because it's the only way for him to get food. That's why. That's uh, <laughs> from the gag on account. <laughs> did you know what the social worker said on Halloween at the Miami homeless shelter? 
What did the social worker say? Wow, everyone's dressing like Weed Man this year. What's up with that? That's uh, from uh, Gary in Youngstown. Again, it's Big Ben's Lame Jokes of the Week. Uh, We'll skip over that. Uh, We'll skip over that. Why is Roberto's favorite 80s song, or, or what is Roberto's favorite 80s song by the band Genesis? Favorite 80s song yeah. from Genesis. So apparently, uh, from the, according to the Gagon account, it's Illegal Alien is the uh, favorite there. So, very Racist. Spicy. Uh, what do you get when Racist. Wayne from Southie has a cold? What do you get when he has a cold? A more annoying Wayne from Southie, apparently. That's, uh, that's not <laughs> impossible. That's not right, man. Come on. It's my guy, Wayne. We're boys. He gave me a Southie hat. We're friends for life. Uh, why did former Astro assistant general manager, why did that, that guy really say, what did he really say to the reporter to get him fired? What did he really say? He says, hey, I work for the Astros. Can I explore Uranus? <laughs> no? All right. So uh, Warren sent that one in. It's uh, Big Ben's Lame Jokes of the Week. Why doesn't Coop get into more arguments on the air? Why doesn't he get into more arguments on the air? Well, he's usually taking the high road. So, uh, just Josh. You got anything over there, Koopa Loop? No, I, I can't read any of these ones really? that you sent me. All right. Uh, mini NBA radio roast. What's the difference between a pair of shoes and the Lakers? What is the difference between a pair of shoes and the Lakers? It takes some time before the shoes start to stink. So, Bill from oh. Iowa. I knew they would boo that, Bill. Uh, what is the main reason the new Lakers lost their season open to the Clippers? What is that main reason? It's obvious they dropped the ball. That was from Kurt from Earth. Did you hear that LeBron has a new food idea after losing his appeal for Taco Tuesday? A new food idea? Yeah, he's excited. He's now going to be celebrating Fried Rice Fridays. He's excited about that. (laughs) Bill from Iowa sent that one in again. What do you call a bodyguard for LeBron James? What do you call a bodyguard for LeBron James? Police officer in Hong Kong is what you call him. That's uh, (laughs) a... Kurt from Earth. Uh, what do Wreck-It Ralph and the NBA in China have in common? I've been wondering what I have in common with the NBA in China. Now, neither one has a pulse, apparently. That's a hillbilly Mike sent that one in. Did you hear LeBron James is not a chess guy? I did not hear that. Yeah, apparently he prefers Chinese checkers. Go figure. Who knew? That's uh, just Josh. We'll pause for the cause. We got the Sam Darnold mini radio roast. We've got Brian Finley is going to be just savaged by the joke writers. It's Big Ben's lame jokes of the week. We'll get to all that. We'll do it next. I'm a doctor. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific. It's Big Ben's Lame Jokes of the Week. We're back at it here. And this is the Sam Darnold Mini Radio Rose. Sam Darnold said he saw ghosts in the game on Monday night. Turns out he actually saw Angry Bill returning to New Jersey wearing a white sheet and thought the Klan meeting apparently was held at the stadium. So he's was... the uh, ghosts. Long way to go from the gag on account. Why did Sam Darnold have trouble completing passes to his own receivers? Why did he have trouble, Ben? Because he realized ghosts were the ones who wear white. <laughs> it's uh, Big Ben's lame joke. Gag on again. Uh, what does Sam Darnold have for breakfast? What does he have for breakfast? Ghost toasties. Yeah. Ghosts. From Eek in Roseville, Minnesota. Why did Adam Gase ask his quarterback, or what did he ask his quarterback when he saw him on a cell phone after the Monday night game? What did he ask his quarterback? He said, Who are you going to call? 
seen ghosts. Yeah. I'm Rand sent that one in. Anything, Coop? No uh, no jokes over there, Coop? No. Nope. All right. Uh, Coop's out then. Uh, Roberto, anything? No? All right. Did you hear that the New York Jets are planning on relocating next season? Relocating the yeah. New York Jets? They're now going to be known as the Transylvania Jets is what they're going to be known as. It's, uh, I'm seen ghosts. Uh, did you know that the Jets fans are, are ghosts? Did you know that? I didn't. Did, Jets fans are ghosts? Yeah, neither did Sam Darnold until he saw and heard all those boos. <laughs> Kurt from Earth, it, it's the mini radio roast of Sam Darnold. What did uh, Sam Darnold give the ghost for Halloween? What did he give the ghost? An interception, of course. That's what he gave the ghost. Uh, that's for Bill in Iowa. What is Sam Darnold's favorite old-time cartoon? What is his favorite old-time oh, cartoon? Casper the Friendly Ghost, of course. Come Same on. ghost. So Cowboy and Windsor sent that one in. Why does Sam Donald not like Pac-Man? Why does he not like Pac-Man? Because he has a hard time running away from the ghost. That's why. That's uh, on account again. Who is Sam Donald's favorite cereal? Or what is Sam Donald's favorite cereal? What is his favorite cereal? Booberry. He, he doesn't like... I guess he does Same like ghosts. it. Yeah. All right. Uh, what, what will Sam... Where will Sam Darnold move to when he retires from the NFL? Where will Sam Darnold move to? Casper, Wyoming is where he will be. <laughs> no, he didn't like that. I'm bouncing. I lived in Compton. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, Wreck-It Ralph has filled in several times over the last couple of weeks. You know that? Yeah, you knew that, right? I am aware. Uh, we now know why throwing up is known as Ralphing. It's, uh, <laughs> it's from Hillbilly Mike. With Wreck-It Ralph filling in for Eddie, how do you know that Halloween is just around the corner? How do we know? Because zombies always show up at Halloween. It's uh, Hillbilly Mike again. Big Ben's lame jokes. So we got a bunch of Brian Finley jokes. We'll get to as many of these as we can. Brian filled in before Ralph, and uh, boy, was he a disaster. All right, uh, here we go. I love Brian. Uh, who eats worse than Marcel in Brooklyn? Who eats worse than Marcel? Well, Brian Finley, of course. Uh, who is who is Brian Finley's dietitian? Who is his dietitian? Uncle Dynamite. Uh, that's uh, Anthony in Anaheim uh, again. Uh, what does a cook call Brian Finley? What does a cook call Brian Finley? A pain in the ass, of course. It's Big Man's Lame Jokes of the Week. What did Brian Finley say to the prostitute in Tijuana when she told him her price? What did he say? Oakley Dokley. <laughs> Hillbilly Mike again. What did Homer Homer Simpson say to Brian Finley? What did Homer say? Shut up, Flanders. That's what he uh, said. That's uh, from I'm Ram. What do you call a chicken Caesar salad with no chicken and no dressing? What do you call it? You call it rabbit food, of course. Come on. It's a rabbit food. So I'm Ram. Uh, what do vegetarians refer to Brian Finley's violent updates as? What do they refer as uh, violence updates, uh, updates as? What do they refer to them as? Uh, homicide. They, uh, they call it so just Josh there. Did you hear Brian Finley has a fear of speed bumps? A fear of speed bumps. Yeah, he's slowly getting over them. Oh God! Oh. So just oh yeah, just Josh said that one. Doctor. Uh, Brian Finley announced that he's never heard of Ned Flanders. Never heard of Ned yeah. Flanders. That's like Hillary Clinton never hearing about Monica Lewinsky. It's, uh, <laughs> Gordon in Tacoma sent that one in. Big man's lame jokes of the week. Why did the chicken cross the road? Why did it? Because Brian Finley threw it out of his chicken Caesar salad. That's why. 
Uh, why did the cannibal avoid people? Who why had did pl- the cannibal? Who had, who had plastic surgery? Why did the cannibal avoid those people? Because like Brian Finley, he didn't want any artificial flavors in his diet. That's why. It's uh, George in Rochester, Minnesota. What's the difference between my toes and a toilet seat? What is the difference? Brian Finley doesn't lick a toilet seat every day. Uh, that's from uh, Bill in Iowa. <laughs> All right, what did Brian Finley do after the karaoke machine broke at the Maller Christmas party? What did he do? He hummused a tune is what he did. No? You know, like that's just Josh. All right, last one. Here's the closer. What did Here's another one. Why did Brian Finley cross the road this time? Why did he cross the road? Because it's the closer. He was too chicken to order it on the side. That's why. It's Kurt from Earth. There it is. Big Ben's lame jokes of the week. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.